we really believe that building this vehicle for bringing in great talent, ingesting fantastic inspirations and ideas, knowing how to rapidly prototype and iterate into problem solving and then getting something in the market. We're trying to create something that believes the speed of innovation and the inputs of inspiration are going to look differently than they did in the past. And we're going to create the vehicle that allows that to happen. So with that vehicle created, the sky's the limit. Welcome to the Unlearn Podcast, where host Barry O'Reilly seeks to synthesize the superpowers of extraordinary individuals to think big, start small, and learn fast. Here's your host, Barry O'Reilly. As many of our listeners will know, business model innovation, product development, and culture transformation have always been at the heart of my work. So when one of my good friends at Apple, Lee D, called me up to say there was someone I simply had to meet, I was curious. I've worked with Lee many times over the last number of years, including at AppDynamics ahead of their 4 billion acquisition by Cisco and on the advisory board for Agile Craft before our acquisition by Atlassian. In fact, Lee often jokes that he knows me so well he would have picked out my wife in a lineup. Now that subsequent call that Lee set up was with Mark McNally, a radical thinker, venture innovator, founder and chief nobody at Nobody Studios. Mark's been involved in the creation of 14 new businesses, $5 billion in exits and learned a lot of what works and what doesn't. He's been on both sides of the equation. He's been on both the upside and downside of new company ventures and truly aims to consolidate the lessons he's learned to make each attempt a little bit better. That conversation with Mark was inspiring. He shared his vision to create a company specifically aimed at de-risking pre-seed stage businesses by minimizing the time, speed, and investment in each venture to discover repeatable, scalable business models before seeking venture funding to help that validated business scale. The visions and values we discussed on that call has had a significant impact on what we're about to do next, which is launch a venture studio. Together, with an amazing collection of diverse innovators, entrepreneurs and creators who want to change the way new companies are created, sourced, explored and scaled to sustainable businesses. But not only that, we're going to be the first company to make venture investing accessible to the masses by crowdfunding the company to enable anyone own equity in the studio and every single company we create in the future, forever. It's a bold vision and one that has never been done before, but it's the kind of mission this assembled team of nobodies lives for. And it's a journey you listeners are invited to be part of. But before we dig into what all this means, let's hear how it all got started and the aha moment that hit Mark and seeing the missing piece of venture and new company creation. I personally got very frustrated with not being able to do more things in parallel. This idea of being a serial entrepreneur is great, but it's almost like you have to make a big bet in your life for the next three or four years. This is the only thing I'm going to have my hands on. And just any rational view of technology and, and the likelihood of success when you look at innovative products and ideas would tell you, you know, you're going to fail most of the time. And so that's actually kind of a hard thing to be chewing, biting off and chewing as you get older in your career. So one, serial wasn't good enough. I wanted to figure out how to do more parallel. And I think I was always a frustrated visionary for all the times that I was right on something that, you know, I didn't have a bet on it. <laughs> I'm like, that played out exactly like I thought it would. And that and $3 gets you a cup of coffee. 
So I decided I really wanted to create a vehicle that allowed me to be more involved <laughs> and more aggressive in making bets on things that aligned with my vision of the future. And this is sort of something I hear a lot of people talk about, right? Like how to create a way to build optionality into the way that they explore their ideas. We're entering this amazing time of creators where I can't think of anybody I know who isn't either in a company and thinking about one or two side hustles that they that they want would like to run but aren't. And even when they start those, to your point, one business that they might enjoy, they've got four or five other side hustles they're thinking about too as well, right? But so much of the the sort of options that we have is that you either try and build a company from scratch, that one company, and you're and you're stuck in it for 10 years. And I know lots of founders 10 years into their businesses that are they'd love to get out, but they can't say that. Or else you're you're trapped inside a company and you're doing like evenings and weekends to try and launch these businesses and hope maybe one day it magically turns into something. You know, like what have been some of the moments for you to that you sort of had to unlearn around your journey to figure out how this paralyzing idea and creating a, a mechanism or a, a corporation or a vehicle to make this happen? Like what was the sort of aha moment for for you there? I remember not only three years ago trying to raise money for a company, and I had teams in Dallas, Seattle, in the Ukraine, and Orange County. And the VC looked at me and said, we will never invest in your company. And I said, why? He said, because we know it takes a corporate headquarters to build culture. There's no way you can be an effective leader. I mean, to me, that's a huge unlearning we've gone through as an industry, right? I don't think you'll find a VC who'll talk that way today, but they were not too long ago. And I think we were all talking that way. Right. I mean, I'm a big culture person. I love being face to face. I love killing a whiteboard. I love team events. But I've been a distributed kind of a global worker for 20, 25 years. So, you know, I've kind of been living this way before COVID happened. But I think COVID was this huge, amazing unlearning event for the whole world that if all you have to care about is getting the best talent in the best place and unifying that around a worthy, you know, reason and why and let's go do it. Yeah. This is one of the things that's most fascinating to me, right? Like, you know, listeners will know that I, I've run a remote business for the last seven years or so, right? Like I, most of the people I work with, half of them I've never met in person. You know, they're people all over the world. And we've just come through this sort of the biggest remote work experience or experiment really uh, uh, in human history. And, and it's been fascinating, right? Like, I think we've learned a lot of different things, like, Personally, you know, I've learned the power of actually having great collaboration tools, like how important that is for teams to to be able to work together remotely or different ways to move information sort of around a company. So important, like small little updates really frequently to different teams to keep people aligned, like really, really powerful. And now we're starting to think about creating companies where geography is no longer this sort of constraint. In fact, it's actually potentially goes from the, as your point, VCs having it on the the negative side of the scorecard to potentially saying, well, hang on. Now we've got the access to like 25 data scientists now that previously weren't weren't only available to us. And, and, and a lot of the venture capital ecosystem or even the funding has often been localized to where those agencies are, right? They tend to fund companies that are in their immediate vicinity. And and now that's about to change. And so one of the things I think that's most exciting about, you know, what this this adventure that we're on 
is that one of the founding principles is crowd first, people first, pretty much anywhere in the world. If you've got ideas and you've got talent, like this is the chance to sort of come together and go after vision and purpose. So can you talk a little bit more about like why the purpose piece is actually so powerful and really one of these great unifying theories and maybe share a little bit about the conclusions you've come to on the purpose of nobody studios as well. I'm a big believer that if I focus on building up people around me, then my journey is going to be just fine. And so I look around everybody I'm in, you know, grateful enough to be and lucky enough to be around. I'm looking at what is my role in their journey? Like, how can I add value? How can I help? Right. But I usually able to calculate really quick, like three to five times more, how they're going to help me, like how they're going to teach me things. And it doesn't mean to sound greedy, but that's just the way I look at it. As long as I put into it, it'll come full circle. Right. And I think we've tried to figure out how to make nobody studios that way, which is historically, unfortunately, very few times do the middle, you know, level worker and below actually see the upside of a startup. And we're trying to say that needs to be challenged. That needs to be radically challenged. And so there's a couple of ways we're doing that. If you're a part of nobody studios, you not only come in with a, you know, a stock grant that's commensurate with your experience but you have an automatic lever that is merit-based. So if you're a junior developer who has a huge you know, impact on our trajectory, you have a chance to be earning at the executive level of equity. That's how I want it to work. So we have that lever. The second part, which is something that I'm not aware of anybody offering, is we allow you, even though you're focused on one new co or maybe two new co's, you earn equity across the whole portfolio of what we're building. And we're trying to build 100 companies in five years. And you know, don't ask me about 20 years. We've got a lot of upside here. And so to make people a part of something that's bigger and broader, you know, it's not just a nice to have. I just think it's the way we're wired. You know, I often say that old middle-aged white guys, we like to criticize the millennials for thinking in 140 character, you know, world. But the reality is we do too. I mean, I can notice from my my middle-aged friends that if I text them something, if I get too long-winded, there's zero chance of response, right? We've all become the same thing. We want things in small you know, tiny little bite-sized kind of chunks. I think that that's one of the things we're offering to people who are getting involved in our organization right now is we're giving them this kind of really open access to how this grows, how this evolves. You know, we can communicate with you in your language. Give us your ideas. Let's run with them, right? Let's figure out a way to turn these ideas into companies. And being that at that level, like down, taking our hats off and our diplomas off and all that fancy stuff and just going down to, hey, we want to learn. As much as we're mentoring people that are young, we're also letting them mentor us. And I think that's an important part of our power. This is one of the things I think is most fascinating to me, even about trying to create a studio. This ambition to create 100 compelling companies in five years with monthly recurring revenue of over $100,000, right? Like these are meaningful companies to folks. And to create 100 companies, you know, we're going to have to create a thousand that nearly got there. And, and to create a thousand that nearly got there, we're going to need to have 10,000 that were sort of hopefully got there to probably a hundred thousand ideas that would, that were started and, and some of them progressed and never did. Like building that sort of mechanism is probably, you know, the most exciting thing I've thought about in, in years, right? Like we have this notion of continuous delivery where in software, any change can go to production in like seconds, right? The speed of from almost from a developer checking something in to be live. And we're sort of thinking about extending that from 
to speed a thought, like somebody has an idea, how quickly can we get that idea into the market? And, and we're going to have to do that hundreds of thousands of times over the next few years and build a system to do that. So, hey, how do you do that? Who knows? But it's God, it's pretty exciting to try and think about it and think about it in such a broad context, right? From people all over the world coming together to offer those ideas, to work on those ideas and, and also be rewarded for their contribution, right? I think this is a very unique sort of incentive structure where so many people are just sort of locked into a company and they get their paycheck and, and that's it, you know, whatever. Maybe you try and start a business, but again, you're, you're sort of stuck in into that business and what you can do. But yet what we're trying to create here is almost like a thriving ecosystem of talent who can contribute to every idea that's, that's under the, the sort of house of the studio. And for everything you contribute, you're, you're recognized and actually have a stake, not only in the success of that company, but your contribution is valued everywhere. Like To me, this is something we're talking about that I've never seen before. Never heard of before, lit up every time. and yet it's the most exciting thing that you know that I, that I I get lit up every time we start talking about this. So help people sort of understand, like um, contrast it a little bit, you know, because when people think about venture capital, it's this sort of murky world. It's sort of often closed systems behind closed doors. It nobody really knows what's going on, and then the other side. One thing you always joke and remind me of is you've got these bootstrap companies where it's you know, some person with their pet in the garage, just like hacking away on weekends. And there's this huge sort of gap in between the bootstrapping and then the significant funding. Could you share a little, or a little bit about, you know, the diagnosis you had about what's missing here and really why Venture Studio or the one we're aiming to create is sort of just missing part of the ecosystem. It's not us versus them. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. From the very beginning that I had this idea, I didn't even realize that there was a thing like an asset class called the Venture Studio. <laughs> I had named Venture Nobody Studios and bought the URL before I knew Venture Studios was a thing. Kind of disappointed, to be honest. But <laughs> one of the first calls I made were to all my buddies who are VCs. You know? So there's not a single person on my network that is a VC who doesn't love what we're doing. So I think that editorials, you know, editors have gotten a little bit lazy with their, their taglines and stuff. And I think this like us versus them, I think is a completely wrong way to look at it. I think if you look at what VCs can do, it's like a, it's a fire and forget kind of mentality. Like you put money in, but you're out of, you know, you don't have control. <laughs> you put money in and maybe in the future they'll ask you for more. And that's the extent of your control. Maybe you put in a ton of money and you have one board seat, but it's one out of two. So you're on the ride, but you're still not control. Maybe your private equity where you're buying and you're putting all the money in and taking over the board seats. But, you know, those are extreme cases. So in the early stage VC world, you're having to make fire and forget investment decisions super, super early, right? What I always often describe the venture studio model to other VCs, I'm like, what are the things you wish you could do, you know, six months after you wrote that check, right? They will tell you things like, oh. Six months later, I realized that company wasn't as good as I thought it was. And I wish we could just kill it and stop investing. Okay. That would probably increase your returns, huh? Yep. Okay. What else? I wish the amount of times that I thought one company was a good idea, but really the idea was so big, it should be five. So you'd want to split companies. Oh, that'd be amazing. Oh, that would probably really increase your returns, huh? Yep. Okay. 
how many times did I invest in something that was five, but really after I got into it six to 12 months, realized those should be one company. So you want to merge companies? Yeah. Oh man, that would be awesome. You could really increase your returns then, huh? Yep. Okay. What else? Oh, and I wish I could pause companies because sometimes they're not bad ideas, but the timing's not right. Technology, regulatory, whatever. And one other thing, sometimes I meet this really great talent on this company who's amazing, but at the wrong company. They should be over here. I wish I could swap talent around and make sure I optimize talent. So if you could do all those things, what do you think the returns could be? That's what they tell you. Well, that's what Venture Studios are. We get to do that the first 12 months aggressively. And out the end comes really high qualified seed and series A companies that those guys can fund all day long. Yeah, it's it's such a fascinating way to think about, you know, what the studio is trying to do. Like de-risk pre-seed stage companies, but create this sort of repeatable, scalable, and maybe sustainable business model and company that pops out the other side. And so many companies, I think, often and founders often struggle, right? Like they they go in with their pitch deck and whatever prototype or whatever stage they're at. And the minute they get funded, that's it, right? Like you're often forced to be building what was in the pitch deck on Tuesday at 5 p.m. when the check got written, right? And in many ways, it, the sort of rails suddenly get very much more closed and the scorecard appears and the pressure is on to hit those numbers. And it's a challenge, right? Where I think something, again, is unique, we've talked about in the studio is the iteration process is actually welcomed. More oscillation within the bounds of a studio is actually encouraged, right? To do things like go from five businesses that are actually one or one that's split out to five, or yep. actually the talent is in the wrong, players are in the wrong position. Yep. Let's reshuffle them to where they're playing their best spot. Or, And this is fascinating, right? I think it's it's encouraging even optionality and more diversity in the way even you're thinking about building companies for longer periods of time to like really figure out like what the hell the opportunity is and and go from there. And that's kind of fascinating, right? Because even in the corporate world, this sort of analogy is, you know, you have to write the business case, you do the the tap dance pitch. Hopefully it takes you 15 steering committees to, to sort of work your way through or maybe your idea gets funded and then you have three yeah. years to build it and you better yeah. spend all your money in the first year to otherwise they'll take the, take the money out. You know, there's just so many perverse sort of incentives and behaviors that happen in both the corporate world with this and, and sort of the more entrepreneurial sort of founder world. And it feels like this is, is such a missing piece that I've just seen time and time again on, on both sides of the equation. So it's fascinating to me. So tell us more about like the reaction you've been getting to folks when you're sort of sharing this concept with them, because it's sort of one of these things that people maybe have heard some of these words before, but maybe under different contexts. There's probably some baggage that goes with even the, the concept of venture or venture studio or what that means. Or what have been some of the ways you found you've had to explain not only to people what a studio would create, but I also want to afterwards dig into like, what's the opportunity that it's really trying to shake up, both not only from the company creation side, but the opportunity for people to be part of that journey? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think one of the reasons why we've been successful, you asked me about reactions. For me, 14 year career, one of the big inspiring moments for me was going through a really tough, you know, healthcare event in 2019. And 2020 for me was like coming out healthy and strong and focused and determined. 
And I was annoying as all hell to most of my friends who were like, what are you talking about? The world's going to come to end. I'm like, no, the world's amazing. Let's go change it. But I really do believe because I had that experience, my 2019 was my 2020 in a lot of ways. Our story is crafted with that view. Like, let's do shit that matters, right? Let's go change the world. Let's do it with people we like. You know, let's have fun in the morning. Let's not take ourselves too seriously. Like, there's certain things that came out of 2020 for a lot of people that maybe I was a little bit ahead of. But I was able to articulate in a way that was like, yeah, let's build that company. you know. And, and I just think that that builds steam. And I'm just very grateful for it. But, you know, I always tell people since literally it was me and my dog in the garage, this is what I think needs to exist. I'm going to do it. I don't know if it's right or not, you know, but here's what we stand for. You know, I talked about being time and capital efficient and people first and crowd first and transparent and doing shit that matters and taking care of each other and thinking globally. You know, there's a couple of things we say very naturally off of our tongue. And at the end of those conversations, usually people are excited, you know, and I say, cool, you know, I'm a big believer in self-selection. So, you know, we need talent, we need capital and we need influence. You might be able to contribute that. You might be able to know somebody who contributed that, you know, one or all of those. I don't really care. Some people are giving us 40 hours a week on sweat equity. Some people are doing one hour a week and freelance. I just want the story to be out there as true and genuine and let it self-attract the right people to our journey. And so far, we've been very fortunate that people have been able to track. I love this idea of self-selection because this is one of the first things I think when we first met. We spent so much time actually getting to know each other's values more to start. Like that was a really interesting way to actually understand how well we could work together, right? Like what was this self-selection mechanism? Because knowing you now, it's I'm a big believer in this idea as well, is that if you can bring the right people together, yeah. the problems that they tackle are it's just like whatever. Because, you know, you're in a crucible here with people where you're trying to do things that have never been done before. There's going to be mistakes. Yeah, there's going yeah. to be successes. There's going to be fa- like catastrophic failures and sad days. There's going to be elation. But if you have this sort of values alignment, that's what will always pull you through. The people who believe that it's we're on a sort of learning as we go. Like this has never been done before in, in the way that we're trying to tackle this. So there is no roadmap. There is no perfect answer, but there's many right answers. But which is the perfect one? And even in our session so far as a team, you know, everyone's just trying to figure out how to do some crazy stuff. No, you make a good point that I wanted to comment on. Like, we tend to right now spend a lot of time thinking about how to do it, right? And that's what we should be focusing on, right? People are going to be investing in us and people are going to be joining our team because they believe we know how to do it. But we only care about the how because our why is so strong. We really believe that building this vehicle for Again, bringing in great talent, ingesting fantastic inspirations and ideas, knowing how to rapidly prototype and iterate into problem solving and then getting something in the market that solves those. That vehicle in and of itself can cure cancer. Like, that's what we're trying to create. We're trying to create something that believes the speed of innovation and the inputs of inspiration are going to look differently than they did in the past. And we're going to create the vehicle that allows that to happen. So with that vehicle created, the sky's the limit, right? Like I can get very focused on a very pedestrian product that, oh, we're going to buy this for a dollar and sell it for four. And that makes the world go around. We have to do that. But the idea that this vehicle can and should be used for something bigger than that is certainly what gets me out of it. Yeah, no, right on. It's uh, inspiring stuff, right? So, so this is sort of one part of the picture. 
is just the company creation process and the aspiration, you know, to be able to create these hundred companies over the the course of five years and just a pure velocity, volume and quality of the amount of ideas that are going to have to go through that system and how many people we're going to bring together from all these huge, different, disparate views, just to even get new companies to pop out. The other side of the equation, I think, is just, this is where I'm probably, you've seen me get pretty excited about this over the last week or two, is that we're going to make this available for everybody to actually contribute to. So one of the other aspects of of venture funding is, again, it's often reserved for a very sort of small group of extremely high net worth individuals. And it's in many ways, it's sort of a, a a little bit of a closed system, right? Like, how did the people get to make the first investments in Amazon, Facebook, Google, whatever you wanted wanted to see that, or the venture world as uh, uh, making it accessible for anyone to use it as a wealth creation opportunity? Again, it is is so unique, and the fact that we're going to offer crowdfunding for any pretty much any person out there to actually not own a stake in just one company or betting on just one company, but like betting on the company in many ways, our company that's going to create hundreds of companies. So you're by definition, not only are you having an opportunity to you get involved in venture in ways and like be there at the beginning of a company that could turn into, you know, one of the next sort of global businesses. And anyone can do that, right? Like, we're democratizing that opportunity for people, which to me, again, is something like really special. Whenever something's never been done before, I'm normally like, I'm in. I don't know what it is, but I'm in. Let's, <laughs> let's go figure it out. So share a little bit about doing this crowdfund with Start Engine and what was another aha moment there? Because to unlearn really how venture investing could and maybe should be working for everyone, like democratizing that whole opportunity. Yeah. First of all, I think that the the overall financial ecosystem of the venture capital on up is an important part of company creation. But I think that dynamics have changed that now forces us to have something new that didn't exist before. And ironically, that dynamic has been forced by, okay, it used to be Wall Street controlled all the banks. The startup guys were sick of not being able to get money from the banks because they want EBITDA and you know trailing earnings and stuff like that. So the money guys who sold their companies in Silicon Valley said, screw it, let's invest in other startup guys. And that's literally how the venture capital world you know, was created. I can sit across the guy with a cup of coffee and understand that he's smart and he's got the right idea and I can fund him without going through banker applications, right? And then ironically, so what happened was, then they have this bank, the banking world, which is the SEC, and the SEC is saying we have to protect small investors. So we shouldn't allow mom and pop and grandma and Joe Plummer to invest in companies because they probably don't know what they're doing, right? It'd be too easy for them to be shysters, right? Sold a bill of goods. So we're going to just take the easy route out. This is like 1920. They said, we're just going to say, if you're a millionaire above, then it's okay for you to invest in companies because you should know better. (laughs) That was basically what they decided. Well, now the ironic thing has happened is that Wall Street is not getting the IPO pops that they used to see. So Wall Street is shifting their money earlier stage companies, which means companies are going out to public without this huge IPO spike they're used to, which is actually screwing middle Joe America. Middle Joe America, his mutual funds were dependent on that 11% a year. 
So it's ironic that now the big money went to venture capital world and it's actually hurting the small guy. And the only thing stopping them from getting into the young company, the small guy, is that rule that says, oh, we should only let millionaires get into young companies. So they changed that rule a couple of years ago under the Jobs Act and it allowed this crowd equity law, which allows anybody, as long as the company's done the right things, as far as filing their documents, their audits, that kind of thing, anybody can offer shares to the public. And it doesn't matter your net worth or your income, you can invest directly into companies. And it's this huge democratization. I think it's huge for the individual investor. I realize it's going to take more energy and effort, but I think they'll probably end up being funds and other people that kind of group around that. But I think for the individual investor to be a part of Facebook on day one, that's a 15,000 times return. Like, I mean, I'm sure you could talk to any Joe Plummer and put $1,000 in for that, right? But he's not usually had access, you know, he or she. So I love that. I also love that the democratization of ideas versus MBA spreadsheets. <laughs> so being able to get the crowd to get excited about something and say, I support that. I like that. I'm going to build that. I'm going to support it with my $500. I think is immensely more powerful than going up and down Sand Hill Row at the early stage. Right. I mean, I love the VC world when you have a validated company, but in the earliest stage, you can see a lot of great ideas don't get off the ground because maybe they don't have the right pitch man or they gave up one VC too early. You're like, you never know. Right. But it's really hard to take this young kind of fragile little idea and go show it to the world. It really is, especially a world that's expecting to throw, throw rocks and, and darts, you know, so. It's fascinating. And I think I love the narrative that you're sharing there about like how how the circumstances come to be and you now what's different about this opportunity right i think so many of the technology tools that we have available to us now like the ability to dial into like hundreds of thousands of people synthesize their sentiment get feedback from them like launch a product on aws for like three books and and it be in the world and learning in the market you know i think it's always a convergence of these things. I never think it's just one tipping point, right? Where the technology gets to a point where, you know, we've 8 billion people about to be on the planet and anything from tools like low code and no code, where you don't have to be an engineer necessarily to put something on a website and get your idea out onto the world. You can use WordPress, a Squarespace, a plugin Shopify and Next thing you know, you're printing T-shirts in your garage with your dog and it's and, you know, like you're having orders for, you know, hundreds of thousands if it's something the crowd want, you know, and I, yeah. and it's so special that we have this opportunity to sort of unlock all these uh, not only creators, but the people can actually sort of invest in that that um, movement. Right. And the barriers uh, come tumbling down. And again, to your point, again, it's not this sort of us versus them. I, I think everyone wants to create that narrative like there's some sort of battle, but it's really just this space that is, is emerging based on constraints that were there before suddenly disappearing, whether it's a change in the Jobs Act from a regulation point of view, whether the technology uplift is, is suddenly available. It's always a convergence of these sort of special things and people understanding and that they can actually have an opportunity or they can invest in a vehicle that is a company creation machine, rather than just feeling like they have to dive onto some stock picker and go, I don't know, what about this penny stock? You want to invest on that? Like, is that going to work? I think there's just a, a really unique sort of circumstance right here. And I think that's what's so exciting about what we're going to do. 
at nobody, basically. It's I just get pumped up talking about this all the time because I, know, I just I think it. it's seminal, you know, yeah. I totally agree. And I think that that's what, you know, we represent to the investor as well as we grow the team and we grow the people, you know, we're being so brutally transparent, right? To love it or hate it <laughs> about what we do, what we do right, what we do wrong, how we learn, how we evolve. And I just know the people we've already attracted are just some of the best I've worked with in my life. So I know we're going to keep that going and they're going to be able to have direct interaction, right? And see our thinking, our thoughts, our lessons and the idea that you as a small investor can be a part of that journey is exciting. But guess what? We have a wide open door in terms of an intellectual on-ramp. If somebody says, hey, I got an idea. Or, hey, I want to challenge you guys on something. Like, well, let's talk. That's how we're wired. So I think for as much as for people to have access to that, I'm more excited to have access to them. So looking ahead then, you know, like, we're obviously, you know, you, you've been working on this from, from the garage for, you know, a couple of months ago or on the back of 2020. We're staring down the road at a crowdfund in a couple of weeks time. Share a little bit about what you're excited about looking forward. This disability, as you say, to not only create on ramps for talent to bring their ideas to life, but also to be part of the journey to, you know, radical transparency is one of our values. We'll share, you know, as much as we learn the mistakes we make, we'll We'll put that back out into the world to make it better, right? And and share what we learn on this journey. But for you personally now, tell us what sort of the, the you know, looking out about two to three years time, what, what are you sort of like dreaming about in between probably staying awake at night as we're figuring out how to do this thing? <laughs> Texting you at midnight? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I started to say this, you know, a year ago, I sounded crazy. Um, that we'd have be at this spot that we're at today. So I'll continue to sound crazy. Three years from now, we'll have unlimited resources available to us in terms of creating companies. And we'll be a global organization in terms of not just nobody studios North America, but EMEA, Asia, Latin America. But it's only gonna be possible because we've gotten this thing right about what we've already done the first year. We got this idea, it's bigger than one person. That's why it's called nobody. We're going to attract people to the, the journey that bring similar values, but maybe different skill sets. And one plus one equals something more than two. And we're just going to keep doing that. And we don't know where the ideas are going to lead us, but we know that we'll probably get it right more often than we get it wrong. And we're going to create a journey that's a lot of fun for a lot of people. And we'll make sure that everybody's a part of the upside of what we do here. This is this is for everybody. So that's where I think we'll be. I think we'll be a little brand for years and hopefully... The preferred place for the youth and influence to bring ideas and company creation. And we'll attract a bunch of old parts like us to the journey as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, there's no doubt that the conversations we've had have really attracted me to the journey. I'm unbelievably excited about what we're about to do. When it's never been done before, I think it's it's just so fun to go all in and bring so many of the ideas, many people who listen to this show talk about and have heard me talk about before to life and reality, right? And building machine as it's flying is always challenging, but always these proof points is what you're talking about here is what we're going to create in the next year is going to help us create what we need to do in year two. And then in year two, will help us create year three. And the more people who are inspired by listening to this story and want to be part of that journey, I guess all we can say to them is, you know, follow Nobody Studios, reach out to either one of us. And if you're interested and want to take part, and it's going to take a huge amount of people, as you say, I, 
you've drawn in so many amazing people. I'm amazed by the talent that I've been working with already in this short period of time to, that are aligned around this vision, these values, this opportunity. So I think there's just so much excitement ahead and I'm delighted to be here to, on the journey with you and everybody else in the team. And thank you very much for coming to share your story on the show, Mark. I'm sure we're going to have you uh, back many times to sort of share uh, what have been many of our ups and downs on, as we go yeah. along. I can't wait. I'm sure we'll offer many studies to your audience, but but first and foremost, I wanted to say I'm um, thank you and I'm grateful for you being a part of this. So oh, it's a pleasure. Let's go do what's not been done before. <laughs> right on. Take it easy. All right. Thank you.